Well, good morning, everybody. And can I add my welcome to Davies. Good to see you. It is good to be together, to worship together, and to hear from God's Word um, together. As we turn to His Word now, let's pray and ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful privilege, as we were hearing earlier in the service, that you have given us your word, uh, that we have your word in our hands, in our language, that we might know you. And we pray, please, as we turn to it this morning, we pray that you might uh, lift our eyes, that you might speak to us, that we might have hearts that are ready to hear, that we might gaze on our Prince of glory and our King of love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Divi was already saying right at the beginning, it has, really has been an extraordinary week, uh, beginning with the installation of a new prime minister, news which was then eclipsed, of course, by the death of the Queen on Thursday. And I guess regardless of how we may see things politically, uh, regardless of how we think a country ought to be governed in terms, in terms of its structure and so on. Regardless of differences, many of us, of course, will have had great respect uh, for the Queen and will be saddened by the news. Of course, we feel sympathy at this time for the royal family um, as they grieve the loss of a mother and a grandmother and a great-grandmother, and we pray uh, for them and pray for King Charles, as we do for all our leaders. That is our, our duty and our privilege as believers in the Lord Jesus, to pray for those in authority. But as we perhaps feel the shock of uh, this last week's events, or maybe just as we take stock of what has happened, how are we to think? Uh, what would God have us learn at this time? Where are we to look? Well, this morning, I want to do something a little bit differently to what I would normally do. Uh, rather than open up um, one particular passage and um, preach from it, I thought we might reflect biblically on the Queen's life and on what has happened. Um, I have no intention um, or desire to offer political opinion. It's not my place um, to do that but rather to highlight just some important biblical lessons for us as we reflect on this last week. I'd like to reflect on the, Queen, the Queen's Christian faith, on the Queen's Christian example, on the shortness of life, and on Christ and His everlasting kingdom. So firstly, what are we to learn from all of this? Well, I think firstly and most basically, that God calls us to embrace the Queen's faith, to embrace faith in the Lord Jesus. In other words, to be those who, like the Queen, put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. The Queen's personal faith in the Lord Jesus is very well documented, not just in her formal words, her formal promises to serve God, but in her own words, and time and time again, we have heard her, in our own words, express her, her Christian faith in the Lord Jesus. Christmas Day, a typical example. Christmas Day 2011, she said, although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that sometimes we need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, 
neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a savior with the power to forgive. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. And of course, she was absolutely right. Her words then seem to echo uh, words of the Apostle Paul, words that we had read out uh, earlier from 1 Timothy 1. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. In other words, the queen recognized what all of us need to recognize, namely that God is the ultimate king and that all of us, one way or another, have turned away from him and rebelled against him, have taken his cry, which is rightly on, on him, taken it and put it, if you like, putting it on our own heads, ruling our lives the way we want instead of the way that he ordains. At one commentator this week, I think in a spirit of kindness to the queen, said that she never put a foot wrong. But I guess if you listen carefully to the various things that she said, that's not how she saw herself. And she had the humility to realize that like all of us, she was a sinner who needed a savior. We need saving from ourselves. And I suppose for, for us, as we reflect on all of this, if that was true of the queen, then how much more true is it of us? She was an example, 70 years of tireless service, no hint of scandal, faithful, loyal, other person-centered, and yet she recognized, rightly, that she was a sinner who needed a savior. Not judging herself against those who were marred in sin or whose sin were, was, was, was blatant, but judging herself against the perfect, spotless Lord Jesus Christ. And I suppose, therefore, just a word to, I guess, any here who may well be respectable, and perhaps you are respected, uh, perhaps you have a respectable job, you may well be a pillar of your community, Maybe people look up to you, perhaps even people love you. You are known, you are trusted. If you were to go, you would be sorely missed. If that's you, will you follow the Queen's example by comparing up, by comparing yourself to the spotless and perfect Lord Jesus Christ that you might recognize your sin and indeed your need of a Savior? We need saving from ourselves. And wonderfully, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. All of us, all of us need to be saved from our sin, no matter how much good we may have done. But of course, wonderfully, the flip side of that is also true, namely that all of us can be saved from, from our sin, no matter how bad we may be. Our Savior isn't just prepared to save those who are respectable. He offers rescue to all when Paul wrote those words, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He goes on to say, of whom I am the worst. And as we hear that, we might be thinking, well, you know, this is Paul, he's just being humble. He's just being a bit down on himself. But no, Paul really was the worst of sinners. He was a persecutor, a murderer, a monster. And yet the Lord Jesus came to save people even like him, 
showing him immense patience and mercy and forgiving his sin. And so again, just maybe for you, as you reflect on your life, maybe you know that your life has been marked by obvious failure and blatant sin. That journalist said of the queen, she never put her foot wrong. Maybe you think to yourself, gosh, have I ever put a foot right? Well, even if you haven't, even if you haven't, Christ saved Paul, and he's willing to save you too, no matter how bad you may have been, if you would turn and trust in him. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a savior with the power to forgive. Let's be those who, like her, embrace faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, as we reflect on the events of this last week, on the Queen and indeed all that is happening, let's be those who consider the Queen's example. Now, we are not to idolize anyone. We are to worship only God. That is very clear. We're not to focus on any human leader at the expense of focusing, focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And yet, at the same time, the New Testament does expect us to consider the example of godly believers. Why? Because their example shows us something of what, of what it looks like to live for Christ. Or what about Queen Elizabeth's Christian example? Well, let me just mention two godly, Christ-like traits for us to consider. Firstly, servant-heartedness servant-heartedness. You'll know if you've been following the news in the last few days that famously uh, the Queen signed off her letters, your servant. And many people would say that, that wasn't just words that she wrote, that really was how she saw herself. And when you think about it, it does take a servant's mindset, doesn't it, to serve for 70 years in a job which you didn't choose, doing stuff that perhaps you didn't really want to do. When we're young, we say things like, oh, I'd love to be king, I'd love to be queen. I guess when we start to see what's involved, uh, we think, well, pff, that, that is a burden I'm glad I wasn't given. And yet she embraced it because she saw herself as a servant, a servant of God, a servant of, of the people. And of course, servant-heartedness and servanthood is right at the heart of what it looks like to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Christ himself was the ultimate example of a servant, taking off his outer garments and washing his disciples' feet. Very, very significant. Coming in the first place not to be served, as Mark tells us, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So over the coming days, as we hear of the many examples of Elizabeth the servant, let's thank God for her, and let's look to the one who inspired her example, the Lord Jesus. As Paul says in Philippians 1, the one who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but who made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, and who humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Let's be those who copy her servant-heartedness as she copied the Lord Jesus. And secondly, as we think on her example, let's uh, remember her example of public faith. At the end of John chapter 12, uh, the Apostle John describes some of the religious leaders. 
and does so like this. John 12, 42. He says, at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. And that really is a damning indictment on those leaders. They were private because they cared too much about what other people thought. Well, I don't think the same could be said of Queen Elizabeth. You know, over recent years, in particular with her Christmas Day addresses, she was bold in speaking of her faith publicly. And as we reflect on that, no doubt there would have been pressure for her to, to tone it down, to be less specific, to be more inclusive, perhaps to speak about faith generally rather than faith specifically in the Lord Jesus. Pressure to tone it down. And yet we heard her time and time again acknowledging publicly her faith in the Lord Jesus and even seeking to warmly encourage others to embrace the Lord Jesus himself. We don't have the same opportunities that she had, the same platform, and that's okay. But wherever God has put us, uh, let's be those who publicly acknowledge our faith in him and seek ways in whatever way we, way we can to warmly encourage others to embrace him too. Let's be those who embrace the queen's faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider the queen's example as she copied the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, I think these last few days have um, called on us, I think, to number our days. Uh, we know, don't we, that no one lives forever. Uh, we know that death will come to all of us, no matter who we are. And yet, at the same time, at times, we don't fully believe that. One person, just I think it was on Friday, said this of the Queen. She said, we knew she would one day die, and yet perhaps a part of us felt she never would. And I think that's just very, very honest, isn't it? And I don't think that that person was alone in thinking like that. Why? Because I guess for much of the time, we distance ourselves from death. We don't talk about it. We don't want to think about it. We push it out of our mind. We, uh, we don't like it there. And so a part of us can feel that it's, it's not really real. We know it is, but part of us feels it's just not really real. But actually, as believers in the Lord Jesus, we would be wise to consider our deaths. Psalm 90, verse 12, says, Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I guess, ironically, it seemed that whilst others perhaps toyed with the fantasy that she would just keep on living and living forever, Queen Elizabeth herself was careful, it seems, to count her days. On her 21st birthday, she said this in a radio address, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. I think she had the perspective to count her days. And of course, unless we too fully come to terms with the reality that we too will one day die, unless the Lord Jesus comes back before it, unless we fully come to terms with that reality, we'll never make the best use of this life in service of him. And indeed, we will go through life unprepared for meeting God 
beyond the grave. We've got to learn to number our days. And I think witnessing um, the Queen's death and um, seeing all that's happening over the next uh, number of weeks gives us an opportunity to do just that, to number our days. The author Tim Keller writes this very helpfully. He says, death is like spiritual smelling salts to awaken us out of our false belief that we will live forever. Death is like spiritual smelling salts to awaken us out of our false belief that we will live forever. And so over the coming days and weeks as a nation mourns, as we witness uh, the ceremonies, uh, let's be those who breathe in those smelling salts, as unpleasant as it is. Let's allow them to awaken us to our own mortality, to number our days. Not that we might be discouraged, not that we might feel down, but that we might gain perspective on our lives, that we might gain a heart of wisdom, and indeed that we might feel the urgency to stay ready for the day when we will meet our maker. Let's be those who number our days. But then finally, let's be those who look forward to an everlasting kingdom. I think that many would say that despite all of the wars and the crises and the various difficulties over the past 70 years, many would say it was good to, li to live under Queen Elizabeth's rule. It was good. That's not true of all monarchs. I was reading recently of the king of Saudi, Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, uh, known as Abu Rasasa, that is, father of the bullet, ruthless man known for brutal suppression of his people, indifferent to his people's welfare. And for his subjects, his rule is a terrifying thing. But to have lived under a kind, servant-hearted, consistent, constant monarch who is concerned for the welfare of her people, that is good. We've experienced it as a good thing. It's why she's so loved. It is good to be ruled by a good ruler. And of course, for us who are believers in the Lord Jesus, well, how much more so for us as subjects of King Jesus? A king who didn't just reach out his hand to greet, but who reached out his hand to heal. A king who didn't just listen empathetically and kindly to people's difficulties and their circumstances, but who time and time again overcame them extraordinarily, miraculously. A king who didn't just spend his, who didn't just spend his life for us, but a king who gave up his life to death wearing a crown of thorns for us. A king whose rules and laws are given for our good that we might flourish. And a king who will one day return to reign forever. One journalist, I think it was on Friday, said this. It's impossible for anyone to fill the queen's shoes because she's been this unique figure in modern history. The truth of the matter is, and we all know it, it's why we're all so upset and grieving, is that there's never, ever going to be anyone like the Queen again, is what she said. Actually, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
We can say more than that. We have a better hope than that because we can look forward to Christ's coming and his everlasting kingdom to a time when he will rule in justice from shore to shore, to a time when he will drive out evil altogether, to a time when he himself will bind up the wounds of his people, to a time when he will banish suffering and sadness, and a time when he will ensure that no one in his kingdom is overlooked. So let's be those who, recognizing the goodness of living under a good ruler, look forward with confidence to the returning king, the returning King Jesus and his everlasting kingdom. Let's take a moment just to pause, uh, to reflect on our king, and I'm going to lead us in prayer in just a moment.